and welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. My name is Victoria Rush. Here, I'll be talking to marketing leaders in the recruitment industry, discussing their careers in recruitment, passions for marketing, and the challenges and successes they have faced along the way. My aim for this podcast is to share the opinions and insights of a variety of experts from across the recruitment marketing landscape. I'll be discussing their experiences and learns while building recruitment brands around the world. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. This week I'm joined by Paul Meller, MD of Meller & Smith, a brand and advertising agency in London. So thanks for joining me. No worries. It's a little different this week. You're not an agency that specialises in recruitment, but you are an agency that specialises in brand and advertising. And we will get on to a little bit about how you kind of got into all this in the first place. But could you start, tell us who you are, what you do, who Meller & Smith are? So I started Meller & Smith we are a, as you say, a brand and advertising agency. We're based in London. We're in Borough Market or just next to it. We specialize in getting our clients noticed. That is what we do. We get you noticed. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Lots of agencies say it, not many actually do it. And many agencies, lots of our competitors overcomplicate things. We keep things incredibly simple and uh, we work with brands all over the world, getting them noticed. So we work with huge companies like Amazon, and Expedia and then we work with some tiny startups you know sort of one two three man bands and everything in between we like I said have been going 11 years over the last four or five years things have gone really well there was I mean I, I started it in my pants you know uh, hung over in my living room uh, which is a bit of a joke really but I uh, yeah over the last four or five years things have gone pretty well and we've started Take Fucking Risks which is a sideline event series for the creative advertising marketing industry as well and so that's uh, been a really good uh, sort of side hustle uh, that sort of scratches my itch as it were and and gets us to bang on you know bang the drum about the things that we believe in and your motto then is don't sit on the fence rather than take fucking risks uh yeah i mean so they, they take, <laughs> there is a fence right next to us uh we're in my studio explains that and, yeah, and uh it's the fence has got written on it don't sit on the fence so don't sit on the fence cut through the noise take fucking risks do whatever it is that is different to everybody else. And that's why it's an incredibly difficult thing to do because the vast majority of businesses or brands inside an, an industry, and this is, a, this is largely, you know, the same pattern happens in every single industry, whether it's recruitment, whether it's accounting, whether it's professional services, whether it's beer, um, the vast majority of brands hone in on the same kind of central area yeah. and they don't really stick out from the crowd. You've got a couple of, you know, uh, cr crazy left ones, field, yeah, yeah. Like left field, but largely speaking, everyone is fighting over the same proposition and the same central positioning. And it's madness. Uh, how can you possibly stand out from the crowd when you're the same as everybody else? So what we do as a business is we make advertising or to start with brands, you know, so if they need brand work, we will work on, with them on their brand, which is obviously a lot more than just a logo but that in itself uh, so the brand and then we will create advertising that gets them noticed by doing things differently to everybody else the people that come to you are they prepared to take a risk or do you have to kind of help people through that journey educate them on what really a risk actually means taking a risk means different things to different people and so it should i say that most people know what they're getting into when they knock on the door or they pick up the phone you know they, they know what they're getting into right and we're really explicit about the type of work that works and the type of work 
work that we will produce for our clients. And we've been doing it a long time, and we've been going 11 years, so we've been doing it a long time, we have a good track record. That doesn't mean that we don't have conversations with people where they challenge, you know, clients challenge us, is this the right thing to be doing? Are you sure? And yes, we will sit down and we'll talk about it. I'm not going to sort of shut down those types of conversations. We will have those conversations, but we will have them sort of couched in the terms of, you know, you are trying to get noticed. Don't just pull back because that's your, in, that, that's your instinct. And when somebody has got the butterflies in their stomach and they're a bit nervous about approving something, ah, this is, it makes me feel a bit uneasy. That is 100% the time to push forward because 99% of people don't push forward at that point. They recoil slightly, they take the edges off it, they tweak it, and they take it very close back to the rest of the field. That moment where you feel a bit uh, nervous and, and you're not quite sure, that is the moment to push forward and actually go out to market with whatever that is, because your gut instinct, your gut feel is one of the best indicators it's far more effective and insightful than any data that you can gather uh, around this kind of stuff. This is, you know, your gut feel. You know, that's, you know, millions of years of evolution have taken you to this point. And those are, that's where we have the majority of our conversations with clients when we're about to go to market with, you know, whatever that thing is, whatever that ad campaign is. And we're proved right time and time again. And the, just what we look through in this, the, the, the lens with which we look through in everything, and it's worth talking about this because it's, it's a great piece of research that uh, is the, one of the big foundations of why we do what we do, and that is the average Londoner sees a thousand ads a day. So that's radio, TV, print, mobile, social media, podcast ads, you know, whatever it is, right? Good podcast ads. They see a thousand of those a day, right? Of those thousand, 89% of them are immediately forgotten. That is a fucking joke. That's I mean, a that, that's a lot of money spunked up the wall. I mean, it really is. You know, so the, uh, the, uh, the spend, I don't think we have the, uh, the number for last year, but the year before, so in what, 2017, 19 billion pounds was spent on advertising in the UK. And 89% of that 19 million, it's just like, it's, a waste. it's just a waste, it's just wallpaper. It's just what people, they're paying for really expensive wallpaper, people walk past. So you think about that 89%, the remaining 11%, 4% is remembered positively, 7% remembered negatively. I mean, you're better off being remembered negatively than forgotten. I mean, can you imagine if, 89% of the buildings an architect uh, designed fell down because they, they weren't fit for purpose. There would be outcry, yeah. yet it's okay if 89% of ads are forgotten. It's somehow like baked into the system. And that is, like I say, it's a fucking joke. It's I mean, that joke, is, it? it's absurd. Yeah. Um, and that really is where the principles of advertising in all industries, regardless of marketing, recruitment, or anything, employee branding, or anything else, they are inherently the same. Yes. You need to be applying this to whatever it is you do. It yes. doesn't matter which industry you're in, in essence. Yes. Um, and you recently stepped into, which is why we're here, you recently <laughs> stepped into employer branding, this universe that the rest of us maybe live in a little bit more and have probably almost got used to. 
the approach that a lot of people take towards recruitment marketing, employer branding um, with Amazon, and you've talked about it a few times, but how did it come about and what, what brought them to you? <laughs> how did we get into bed with Amazon? Yeah. Um, and it must be said, I have a, a lot of time for the people we work with at Amazon. I think they are some of the smartest people we've, we have as, uh, as clients. They are really on it. We worked, uh, we, we work in advertising and, and, and branding and all these things that we've just been talking about. And we'd never actually worked in employer branding or recruitment marketing. Um, or we hadn't really worked with any like recruiters, um, uh, especially. And the, uh, the employment branding team at Amazon, the guys that run the European uh, part of their business, got in touch and I, I know them. Um, I'd worked with them previously. They are all ex-marketers, so they've come from marketing to go into employer branding, and they'd worked at some big brands previous to moving to Amazon, and they got in touch with us because they knew that they needed to employ the principles of advertising in, uh, to their employer branding and their recruitment marketing in order to get the uh, desired results. And we're talking about one of the most famous brands in the world. This is Amazon. There isn't a fucker on the world, there isn't a fucker on the planet that hasn't heard of Amazon. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like they, they all, you know, everyone has heard of them, and they still need to uh, think about their employer branding, and they take it really seriously. And their positioning. Yes. They get applications. There's no, there's no way about it. We can't deny it. they're going to get more than enough applications for their jobs. Yes. But it's not about that. Uh, it, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. Yes. They want certain people. They want to grow in a certain way. They actually need to find and approach those people, not just sort of spray and pray on job boards and wherever else, and hope that somebody will come along. It's not about spraying and praying on job boards. They get enough people in, but it's actually about picking the right message to go to market with um, yes. and perception, which is yes. advertising in, in itself. Yes. So, you know, they Amazon have a number of different parts of their business and they're... It's, so there are challenges to the size that they are. You know, they have people perceive them in particular ways and, and they have lots of different types of lines of their business and therefore lots of different types of skill sets and requirements in terms of their recruiting. So it's really complicated. And even at that, you know, they, they still need to define who they are, what they want, who they want, how they're going to get these people. And it's, you're right, it's not just spraying it all over job boards. Now, I'm not saying they don't post ads, you know, jobs on ads boards, uh, jobs boards. But it's far more nuanced, nuanced than that. They put a lot of time into their employer branding and, and what do they stand for? Who are they after? What types of people? A lot of strategy has gone into that. And then what do you do? You employ the principles of advertising in how do you get people's attention at that point? How do you get noticed? If I'm, you know, if they're looking for a whole bunch of particular types of engineers, then we need to write advertising that goes and talks to those engineers, not just putting a load of ad, uh, jobs uh, on uh, an engineering jobs board, you know, and, uh, and it needs to employ the principles of broadcast media. You need to use broadcast. And so when, you know, there might be some people that don't necessarily understand what that means, but so broadcast media means you a broadcast to as wide, as broad an audience as possible. And that means using TV, outdoor, national print, you know, big media channels to get something as specific as a job ad out there. Um, and that's what we've done with them. And it's been really successful. We've been working with them for uh, nine months now and it's been really good. 
the the reaction has been strong. The uh, the, the the numbers that they've managed to attract, uh, the relevancy of the people they're attracting. There's been really good reactions and really strong results. And I hope that we'll continue to work with them. You know, there there are plans. You know, for. 2020 and, and and hopefully will be part of those you know going forwards um but what it's shown to me you know as, as like a bit of an employer branding novice i was it was a, it was definitely a baptism of fire uh, and there are definitely there are certainly some uh, nuances within employer branding that i hadn't got experience of and i think i do now but what it showed to me was that there's this whole industry out there that i didn't know really existed that needs people like us they don't need employer brand specialists i don't think the employer brand specialists people that just kind of sit in the employer brand space and from what i can see having then looked at a whole bunch, you know, a bunch of other large global brands. What they're doing with the employer branding, I think they're massively overcomplicating it. They're not thinking about it in the depth that they should be, and then simplifying it down to the level that they should be. And I just think a lot of money has been spent and wasted, really, in in employer branding that is just fucking waste of time. Yeah, the, it brings me on to there is an argument, and there will be from employer branding specialists that say that you won't have the relationships or you won't understand how to do early careers hiring over exec search level hiring because you don't haven't done that before when actually is it necessarily does it matter? Does it matter that you don't have the relationship with the job boards to get the best deal on posting a job when you're going about this in a completely different way? Yeah, that's a fair challenge. I don't think the success or failure of employer branding is based on the relationship that somebody has with a jobs board mm. supplier. If it was, then the guys with the biggest amount of cash would be the ones that would do it the best, you know, like, uh, because they would just, um, they would squash everybody else, right? So that clearly isn't the case, that, that that is the defining characteristic of quality or not. What's actually far more valuable, I think, is understanding people. You know, you're hiring people, uh, you're trying to create cult a culture uh, within a business. Those things, require creatives that write advertising for people and that's where I think the crossovers are and that's where I think and I'm not trying to like go after an entire industry here and like shoot them down but I think that it opened my eyes to the point that I think there's a lot of people that are coming at this from a recruitment point of view and not an advertising point of view if you come at your employer branding from a recruitment solely like talent acquisition I want to I need to bums on seats then I think you're coming at it the wrong way because you're interested in bums on seats not the right bums on those seats and advertising it's in its goal is to get in this instance in this metaphor the right bums on seats <laughs> i like that it's true people will just look at application rates to then hires but actually did you just hire them because they came through the door then you got to go back a bit further who did you bring to application point well okay all the same that you usually would and it's not going to be hard for amazon to get applications everybody knows that but actually to get the right ones there's obviously a problem yeah. um and big name brands need to consider how they approach that yes actually is this really just because you everybody knows who you are doesn't mean you're getting the right people in the door yeah i, I go back to my point you know I, I don't think this is a point of just like smashing people over the head and giving them a hard time <laughs> but it's I think it's, for me, I find it a bit lazy when people go, well, I've worked in recruitment, I've worked in HR, therefore I know employer branding. I find that too much of a lazy jump to make. And I think it's, in, it's entirely natural that, you know, when, I mean, employer branding, the, you know, the, the concept of employer branding is relatively new. It's not, it's not it's a, a big buzzword right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not, I think employer branding has existed for a long time, but like the, the, the kind of the, the concept of it is relatively new you know, in the last few years, right? 
right? I think it's entirely natural that when it was starting, it was in its infancy, that HR owned it. Yeah, it's, it's an extension of HR and, and, and you know, talent acquisition. And actually, the, the marketing departments of these businesses should have been the ones that were at the very least involved at the start, but probably should have owned it. And that's why I think a lot of, it should be marketers, I think, that own this discipline because the marketing department are the best placed department in a large business to understand how to position that business and and who to attract. And that's what they do with the product or the service that that business you know uh, sells. So they should be best placed in terms of how to attract the people that are going to come into the business. And that's what I think has been a missed step. And so I think it, that's why I think having started this work with Amazon, it then made me look at employer branding and a, and a wider piece. And I started to see a lot of employer branding work and you know, I was doing a bit of research and it's really not that good. I don't understand how these brands think they're going to attract people. And then you start to think, well, the business case here is I need to attract the best. If you, and that's clearly what employer branding is trying to do. That's the state, you know, the aim. I don't understand how they're going to attract the best by the in the way that they're talking about themselves. It's very much talking about themselves. There's a lot of peacocking involved. There's a lot of like, we do this, we do that. And it's not you, you the person on the outside. Yeah. Uh, and I find it completely the wrong way around. And that's why I go back to what I think it should employ the principles of advertising and branding, which is talking about, in that instance, the customer. And I, I think brands would see a much better response, uh, return on investment. I think they'd see a lot better where cultural changes and change management would go on a lot quicker if, if they took a look at those types of things. You hear a lot of CEOs talk about, you know, our biggest asset is our people. And it's such a, well, it's such a throwaway them. phrase, right? I mean, they're right. Yeah, it, if and everybody I mean, left, they'd be screwed. They'd be but... screwed, right? But it's a very throwaway comment and it's right, but it's so easy to say and then do a shit job at recruiting uh, and, and pitching yourself going forwards and going out into the wider world. Yeah, I think that's something that's been wrong in the industry for a really long time. Content and, you know, with change in how people are going out towards social media platforms and online, it's still self-serving in recruitment. Recruiters in-house or agency, they do like to talk about themselves because they think that's what will attract them when the reality is nobody cares what you think about you and what are you going to do for me? That is the way of the world now but instead a lot of recruiters say from an actual agency perspective get out and say well I now have a job so now I want you to apply for it or in-house again we'll say we have a new job come in and apply when actually you've done nothing before that and wonder why you don't get any traction because you're not going to market with a message you're not telling people what actually happens what it's like there what you do you're just turning around and going give me what I need now when it doesn't. It just doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's quite a frustrating place that the industry finds itself trying to understand how to communicate properly. Because of course the the recruitment agency model is under threat. You know that that model where you have uh, recruitment firms that recruit into businesses like those people that is under threat because employer branding is is becoming ever more prevalent within big businesses and I, and it, I think it is more so in bigger businesses than, than smaller businesses just because that's the way it goes yeah. so they're going to be an early adopter of these types of principles so the, 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 uh, if that work is going on in-house 
then that reduces, if it's done well, reduces the reliance on a recruitment firm being sort of uh, you know, on the pulse of uh, you know of the the candidate landscape. So it makes sense from the client side. Yeah, I don't have to be quite as dependent on my uh, recruitment supplier. Fine, that's yeah. there's a business case that. So then the recruiter has to do something different. They can't just do the same thing. It can't be like you know old boys having lunches, you know boozy lunches and stuff. As much as I love a boozy lunch, I go to quite a few of them. But like, <laughs> it can't. That can't be the thing that keeps. That's not the unique selling point the, of recruitment. Yeah. Um, so recruiting agencies, they, you know, these businesses, they have to adapt and they have to change. And the ones that do and they do it quickest will be the ones that bear the, you know, win the fruit out of that. And the ones that don't will get left behind. Um, and there'll still be a little bit of work out there. You know, it's, still, it's not like it's like done and dusted, but the, the real winners will be the people that adapt to the changes that are going on and uh, a best place to, to win because of that. And I think there's a way that these, these recruitment businesses, they can talk the language of employer branding far better. I think they can talk the and, and, and present themselves and the service they offer in a far better way through the lens of employer branding. Um, I think they'd be far more effective at it. I think they could be. How did you find the conversation with employer brand managers, employer brand kind of um, people compared to your usual client stakeholders, market, pure marketers? Yeah. Yeah, so like I say, the the, uh, the team at um, Amazon that we've been working with, they come from a marketing background. So, it, you know, we kind of talk the same language. However, with a business like that, it, it clearly, you know, lot, there's lots of people involved. And it, it got me talking, you know, p- people involved in that were on the uh, the talent acquisition, HR teams, the recruitment in-house teams, talking to them and getting to understand them. And they're, you know, a significant stakeholder in the project they were. And on the flip side, talking to the people that are the, the on the business side of things, so, if, you know, when you're hiring for example engineers you know the people that are on the engineering team that are you know are going to eventually work with these people that come through the system and so that opened my eyes up a lot to the conversations that go on in these types of scenarios and people come at it from very different angles the thing that we were very fortunate with and I think one of the reasons why the campaign has been the campaigns have been successful this year is that people came at it with and trusting us as the expert, even though we weren't um, employer brand specialists. You know, they, they understood that we were the specialists, we were the experts in advertising and the branding exercise that was going on. So, okay, we'll let you do your thing. We're going to have an opinion and we're definitely going to give you lots of input at the start, you know, to get us going, get our understanding of well, what, you know, what the hiring process is like, what the dynamics are like during the interview process and the, all these kinds of things. But then... Uh, leaving us to uh, come up with you know the campaign was really really special so that's why I really opened my eyes and I was really I was really impressed with Amazon that's why I say it's full of some really smart people do they know what they're doing yes they do why do you think companies are risk averse when it comes to employer brand recruitment marketing I think that it's because it's quite new people haven't seen what could be done and so they just kind of sit around the same kind of safe space you know our people are our best resource our people are our best asset you know all this day kind of stuff day, and, and the amount of day in the life is videos that I've, that I've watched. I mean, it's makes me want to shoot myself because they do nothing. They achieve absolutely nothing other than it's a tick in the box for the HR team. Well, we've done a day in the life, mate. Cool. Yeah, right. Next. Achieve, they achieve literally zero. I don't understand some of the tactics that go on in, in employer branding. So I forgot what was the question. Uh, it was, why do you think they're risk averse? Oh, they're risk averse. I was interested in where you were going with that as well. Yeah, well, I think they're risk averse. I think this is a really good example is the day in the life of. How could that, you know, well, that can't possibly fail. Day in the life of. Everyone will want to watch that. No, they don't. They don't give a fuck about this person. 
person that they don't know and, and what they get up to on a day-to-day -day basis. Because you're only going to show me the good stuff anyway. You're only going to take me to the, the best looking office, <laughs> the one that's been most recently refurbished. Yep. You're going to get me the, um, the most interesting person or the person that comes across best on camera. And you're only gonna, then going to talk about the types of things they do if they were to have like the best day they could possibly have. And even if you then try and uh, weave in a couple of warts and alls, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. I don't think people join companies based on day in the life videos. And the fact that everybody does them, you know, every brand does them, means that you shouldn't do them. How do you get businesses to take some risks? I think if they're not happy with the candidate, uh, the candidates and the candidate pool that they're bringing in and, and that they're sort of working within, then they have to do something different. Otherwise, it's just status quo. You know, they're just, they're just managing, just, mumbling, the, the, mumbling just mumbling along, you know, and that's just mumbling along? Yeah, bumbling. mumbling along. <laughs> bumbling along. Uh, yeah, so I think that, that's where they, the, the, like, the, the facts will speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's whether they have the, uh, the guts um, or the appetite to, to do out. to step out, then that's a different conversation. Yeah. And, you know, my arguments would be, you know, are you looking to grow your career? Are you looking to grow your profile? You know, if you are, then do something different to everybody else, especially if you're, you know, heading up the employer branding of a particular business. You've got a great opportunity because the industry is so young in that respect, um, in that it doesn't hasn't really been around that long. You can make your mark really quite effectively, mm. I think, and you can grow your profile within the industry re really effectively. Um, so that, you know, if you're interested in, in that and your general kind of career progression, I think that would be something. And that's totally self-serving, yeah. but you've got to think about it. Um, if a lot of marketers will be scared, they'll be scared that someone will say no, or you know, they might want to step out into what potentially could be a game changer, other than obviously calling you. What advice would you, would you give to marketers in this space? of how to start that journey of stepping out of your comfort zone? I would start by looking at some of the best advertising. I, a lot of advertising is rubbish. I mean, like that. Uh, but start to have a look at the best advertising. I would look at some of the real old heads of advertising. So that would be people like, and we can, I suppose we can put these in the show notes, uh, like George Lois, fantastically talented. Dave Trott, again, uh, incredibly talented. Bob Hoffman, uh, he's the ad contrarian. Uh, Cindy Gallup, she's great. Vicky Ross, she's one of the best copywriters in the UK. She's amazing. If you look at what those guys are saying and what they're doing, um, that will then get you in, I think, in the right, frame of mind to then start to look at and and hold yourself to account but also your you know that your brand's activities to account and actually be really kind of um i think probably be quite surprised at uh, what the outcomes would be i mean obviously anyone that wants to phone me and speak to me about it they can do but i don't think that necessarily is the only it's not step one that's you know, not step one um i would i would think about the benefits of going against the grain really you know going out from everybody else being as different as you possibly can awesome and thank you very much for joining us yeah no worries